are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode, we have a huge transfer commitment for Kentucky football. Devin Leary, quarterback formerly at NC State, is expected to transfer to the Wildcats, first reported, I believe, by On3. Going to dive into what this means for Kentucky football. I'm just going to let you know, it only means really, really good things. Also, going to talk about a subject that we kind of briefly discussed on yesterday's episode. What does Kentucky basketball have to do in order to turn things around? And then finally, we're going to get to a question I asked you guys on the community channel over here on YouTube. Uh, I asked you guys an interesting question to describe how you feel about Kentucky basketball using only one word. I want to dive into that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would mean a ton to the channel if you subscribed. Devin Leary, like I mentioned, quarterback at NC State, is expected to commit to the Wildcats. Leary, if I'm not mistaken, was a four-year player for the um for the uh, for the Wolfpack there over at NC State. Really, really big time commitment. Now, just to kind of look at what he is as a quarterback, just to kind of break down the numbers, because you know I like to break down the numbers here. So over the course of four seasons with the Wildcats, he only, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, played one full season for NC State. There was uh there was a year there where he only played four games in 2020. There was a year where he only played six this past year because of injury, but on the whole. 6,800 passing yards, 62 touchdowns to 16 interceptions, completed 60% of his passes, also added five touchdowns on the ground. This kid is not a runner. Six foot two, 215 pounds, really, really solid size there. Not undersized, just about your average quarterback in terms of uh, the, the dimensions there. But yeah, this is a huge thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, Kentucky needed somebody from the power five, le- pi- power five level, geez, power five level to bring in to kind of operate this offense. Obviously, we've seen success from this past quarterback in Will Levis when Kentucky has brought in a QB that kind of fits their system from another P5 school, obviously Levis from Penn State. This is really big because I think whenever you look at the way that this Kentucky offense is now trending after the firing of OC Rich Scangarello. They've got Liam Cohen back. They're going to be adding new pieces through the portal outside of Leary. I think this offense is going to be just fine next season. Now, is it going to be to the levels that it was in 2021 underneath Liam Cohen? I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have to see. But I believe that the Wildcats right now are in great position to not lose their footing as things transition to a larger SEC. And I know that over the past several months, that's something that I've harped on quite a bit, is the fact that things are going to change for a lot of different middle-of-the-pack to maybe lower-tier teams in in this league once Texas and Oklahoma get here. And I think a lot of it has to do with the scheduling, right? The fact that Kentucky is able to kind of get this stop, and I don't want to say stopgap because that implies that he's not particularly good, 
but that's the best phrase that I can use. Somebody to kind of hold things over for this final season. If I'm not mistaken, he only has one year of eligibility left. So again, this is this is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, Kentucky, after this season, because of their offensive ineptitude, they failed to meet the expectations that were set before them, right? Now you go into another season getting another opportunity with the same OC that gave your team that really, really good season just a couple of years ago. You get to the opportunity to do it again, but this time you get the chance to do it with a really good quarterback. Now, is Devin Leary going to be a first-round pick like Will Levis is? I don't think so, but we don't know. I think that, obviously, I think the biggest thing that uh, Leary has going against him is is his dimensions. I mean, obviously, as an NFL quarterback, you're going to want to have those types of things, right? Like that six foot five, 230-pound Josh Allen type of frame is what's getting Will Levis in the first round here. But you don't need... To have an NFL quarterback on your college roster in order to win college games. It's pretty simple. I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, well, he's not going to be a good pro quarterback or, oh, he's not a good pro prospect. I could not have cared less if Will Levis was going first overall or he was going undrafted. If he succeeded playing quarterback for Kentucky, that's all that matters. And so you look ahead to next season, we've got a really, really good signal caller underneath center This is going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are excited about this as well. If you want to leave your thoughts about Leary in the comments, would really appreciate it if you did so. Again, four-year kid at NC State. His best season in 2021, 12 games, threw for 3,433 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. This kid is really, really good. All right. That's my thoughts on Devin Leary. I'm probably going to flesh those out as we get on throughout bowl season. Uh, Also, we're going to be having a conversation coming up, I believe, with the host of Locked on Hawkeyes. Make sure you guys are staying tuned for that. It's going to be really good. I think this this is one of those things where it's like, I did not like the momentum that was surrounding Kentucky football. And all of a sudden, with this addition, I think you really start to see things kind of Turn around. In the words of Michael Scott, oh, how the turn tables. (laughs) All right. I want to kind of dive back into some Kentucky basketball things. What does UK have to do in order to turn things around? I got two things that I think need to happen. And there's one thing that Cal mentioned in his postgame press conference that I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but we'll rock with it. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Finishing the year well is important, and finding the right team member might help you close out this year strong and help you set yourself up for a more successful year in 2023. It's really simple, guys. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. 
All right, moving along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Hey, if you missed it on yesterday's episode, we talked about John Calipari and the Kentucky offense and whether or not everything is to blame on the coaches, whether or not everything's to blame on the players, whether it's a mix of both. There's a lot of frustration in the Kentucky fan base, especially after that loss to UCLA. I would encourage you guys to go check that episode out. But today, I want to dive into a topic like I mentioned earlier in the show. We briefly touched on this yesterday. But I want to kind of flesh it out a little bit here. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. What does Kentucky basketball have to do to turn things around? So like we mentioned on yesterday's show, hey, look, 7-3 and three is the worst start that we had, we've had since that terrible 2020 team when they went 9-16. and 7-3 and three is the worst start through 10 games. Before that, the worst start was in 2013. That's the last time Kentucky basketball went 7-3 and three or worse to begin a season. So something has to give here. This is not, I, I appreciate all of the fans that have optimism and positivity, and I try and stay on that track as well, but whenever things are going poorly, and it's clear that they need to be addressed, they need to be addressed. It's not like we can just put a blanket over it and act like it's not there. We can't just sweep it under the rug. We have to address what's going on with John Calipari and Kentucky basketball. And it looks like, I don't know if I've just drawn the section of the fan base that is trying to be, I don't want to say negative, but is upset with John Calipari. I don't know if that's the fan base that I've drawn towards my show, but it seems like a lot of you guys in the comments seem to agree there's something going on with the head man and there's something going on with the coaching staff and they are the primary reason to blame. Now, I ran a poll on Twitter just a few days ago, and I asked, who's the problem? Is it John Calipari? Is it the team as a whole? Is it the players? Is it a mix of both? What do you guys think? And this poll just ended uh, just a little bit ago, and 7.6% of you said mainly the the players. 42% of you said mainly the coaches, and 50.4% of you said an even mix of both. So what does Kentucky basketball have to do in order to turn things around? What do they have to do with those two things, the players and the coaches? Well, I think, first of all, for the players, it's mental. We talked about this on yesterday's show. I think a lot of what's going on with Kentucky not closing out close games is not because of their lack of ability. It's their lack of confidence. I think Kentucky right now has been struggling with a confidence issue for two or three seasons now. We saw it in last year's team as they started to falter down the stretch. We're seeing it early with this year's team. By the way, you notice the trend here. You notice the fact that Kentucky last year had that loss to St. Peter's. And things got down. It really honestly got down a few games before that when Kentucky started losing to end the year. Things got down. And some of that feels like it's carried over into this season. And again, I don't think it's for lack of ability. We can sit here and argue about whether or not Kentucky basketball's roster is talented. I'll sit here and agree with everybody out there that wants to say they're not as tall as they could be. Certainly not in the front court. But it's not for a lack of talent. I think Oscar Shibway is talented. I think Severe Wheeler is talented. He may not be able to shoot, but he's talented. Reeves, very talented. Wallace, favorite player on the team. Uganda and Yenzo probably need some more minutes, to be honest with you. 
So yeah, I think this team is fine from a talent perspective. It's all about what's going on up here. And that starts with the coaching staff. So while it is a player issue right now, it's also something the coaching staff can help with. Getting your confidence back to your team. Now, I'm not a coach. I've never been. And quite honestly, I never plan to be. So I can't sit here and tell you how they should go about getting their confidence back. But what, can I, what I can only assume is that they take it, like they say, in their press conferences and whenever they speak to the media. Whenever You see, hear this phrase all the time. We're going to take it game by game. You slow the process down. You make your players focus on the individual task at hand, and you make them focus on the simple things. Confidence, repetition, consistency. You need to be able to have those type of things in order to find long-term success. And so I think the Wildcats right now definitely need a boost in the mental department. So what does Kentucky have to do in order to turn things around? They've got to be able to gain some confidence. The second thing here is Cal's comment after the UCLA game. He said that he didn't think the team had enough toughness. They weren't playing with enough toughness. And I think part of that's true. But also, I want to go back to the numbers here because I'm a stat freak. Kentucky right now is fifth in the country in defensive efficiency. They did hold UCLA to 63 points, right? So I think maybe you're a little bit more tough on the interior, right? We've talked about Oscar Shibway, <laughs> about whether or not he's, a, he's truly a, an elite defender at the rim. My answer is no, but I think that there are some people that love him so much that, that they would get upset over that. So yeah, my answer is no. But I think that right now, Kentucky as a whole has that toughness. I mean, they've not fallen apart on the defensive end outside for that game against Gonzaga. It's the defense, actually, that's been keeping them in most of these games. Michigan. Bellarmine, they held the team, they held the Knights to 41 points. Yale, they held held to 59. And again, they held UCLA to 63. So while you look at those Michigan State and Gonzaga games as outliers, right? I don't think it's for a lack of toughness. I think that Michigan State game was a lot of some interesting officiating and then a defensive breakdown from a schematic standpoint. It wasn't for a lack of toughness. It was for a lack of discipline. Or, or scheme, or play calling. I don't know. One of the three. So I, I definitely think that I, I would question that comment there, and I would need a little bit more context for that, or a little bit more elaboration, I should say. Because I don't know if I necessarily agree with that's what this team needs, is toughness. Maybe mental toughness. Absolutely mental toughness. You need to, be, you need to have somebody in that backcourt that has the mental resilience to want the ball in their hand and to be able to actually execute at the end of the game. Because right now, they don't have that. They've got a fifth-year point guard, or fourth-year point guard, excuse me, that's five foot nine and cannot shoot. And then they've got a freshman who is still trying to figure out things on his own and does not handle pressure well. 
And I know that you're saying you got to be more tough. That's a, but it's a freshman you're talking about. He's learning. So right now, I think that, that that's the most important thing is the mental aspect of it. Cal says toughness. I say, hey, if you're talking about mental toughness and discipline, then I'm down with that. I don't necessarily know if toughness from a physicality standpoint is what Kentucky is truly lacking right now. And again, I want to reiterate, I don't think it's perfect, but I don't think it's the biggest issue here. If you got any thoughts on what this team needs to do to change things up, let me know in the YouTube comments below because I'm going to be honest with you. The more I hear John Calipari talk about how he is going to do this and how they need to do that and how this is going to happen and how this needs to happen and none of it does, I just grow more and more weary every single time we lose a big game. And I'm not necessarily calling it a big bumble, but hey guys, we got eight days until that Missouri game. And we may end up winning that game by 30. I'm just saying that team can catch somebody by surprise and it worries me. All right. I asked you guys to use one word to describe how you feel right now. Before I get to some of your answers, I'm going to pose the question to you guys in the comments again. I want to tell you guys about driving sober. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every single state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means you could get driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're simply wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. That means everybody can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? It's just a st- stupid line of thought. Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, guys, if you drive high, you get a DUI. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. I asked you guys in a community post over on the YouTube channel to drop your feelings below using only one word. And I said, I'll start disappointed. Pretty generic. Just kind of want to lob one out there for you guys. I'm going to run through some of these here real quick. Apathetic. Welp. Flabbergasted. Furious. Livingston. Apathy. Axe. Bench. Exasperated. Awful. Directionless. Frustrated. Firing. Tired. NIT. Frustrated. Those are just some of the responses here. There's about 40 of them. But it's clear. Everybody is just sort of exhausted over getting hyped up for the big game and not being able to close out. And that's the thing that Kentucky has struggled with for three seasons now, right? Or at least last year, they didn't struggle with it for half the season. And then all of a sudden, things just sort of fell apart at the very end, right? So I definitely think that as a fan base, we need to do a couple of things while trying to stay within reality. I think that that living life negatively because of the impact of a sports team can be valid at times. 
and I think this is definitely one of the instances where it is. Well, I don't, I don't want to say living life negatively. I'm just saying like have, having a negative attitude anytime it's brought up. Like it's valid. I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, as fans, we need to be able to kind of support until we can no longer support. And I think that a lot of you have gotten to that point. I have not yet. Because I, like I said on yesterday's show, as much as I talk so negatively about what's going on, there's still definitely a chance for this team to just completely do a 180. And even if they don't do a complete 180, if even if they just start to get things back on the right track, that's good. That's progress. We're not trying to peak right now. We're trying to peak in March, right? That's the, that's the old adage there. So while we may be apathetic, while we may be tired, while we may be exhausted, while we may be flabbergasted, furious, exasperated, directionless, I think that we support until <laughs> we cannot support any longer. And listen, guys, the season ain't over. Season's far from over. Instead of maybe viewing some of these games negatively, you can also view them as opportunities. Opportunities to prove things wrong. Listen, that L, there's a stretch there at the beginning of that SEC slate. After you play Missouri and Louisville, you've got LSU, Alabama, and South Carolina. If you go 2-1, and 3-0 and oh there, I mean, that just proves you're right back on track. Of course, you got to make your free throws and you got to have some more offensive identity. But there's definitely an opportunity. There's definitely an opportunity for Kentucky to turn this around. And I'm not going to lie. I'm right there with you guys. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I hear you. I get it. But right now, there's so many things lying out in front of this team that could be potential opportunities that we can't just yet push the panic button all the way down. And again, I want to reiterate, I'm not discounting any sort of feelings out there or frustration. I'm right there with you. I'm just saying, let's not light the torches yet. Because if we're talking about firing somebody, which I definitely think <laughs> could be within conversation over the next two seasons, but again, he's got that lifetime contract, so what are, what are, what is, what are we going to do? What's, what are, what are we going to do? So that's my thoughts on just the, the state of the fan base, just the emotion of the fan base. I tried to put that poll out there so we could get some direct responses and conversation going about what's going on, not between the team and the coaches, but between the fans, because I'm tired of it. But let's turn it around. That's kind of my thing. It's like, well, let's still, let's still pull for it. Let's just go for it. Try and be positive. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Listen, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless. <laughs>